Welcome back, Greenies. This is JP Gooderham, your host of Fear the Wavecast, and we are back for one of our off-season bonus episodes. But folks, it's a really important one. It is officially game week for Tulane baseball, and I know a lot of us have been looking forward to this season with some bated breath. I, I think that this is a, a huge season for the program, and there's uh, some some reasons for optimism and also some question marks about you know how much progress the team has made. Uh, but you have the return of a star greenie in the coaching staff. You have a lot of talent coming back. And we need to break this thing down here on Season 2, Episode 14. Uh, and to do that, I'm going to call this a tradition because this is now his second time back uh, coming to talk to us about what, he've seen, what he's seen. Uh, this is Dave Browning, who you know uh, not just as a photographer extraordinaire, but also a huge Tulane fan uh, who knows a lot about the program. Dave, welcome back. How have you been? Oh, I've been great. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, let's actually rewind here for a minute. Uh, when we talked last year, you know, we, we definitely thought that there were some opportunities for this team. But in the end, Tulane is coming off a tough season going into this year. Uh, they finished 25-33. and 33. In 2018, they were 9-14 and 14 in the AAC. I know we had some optimism, you know, last time we talked about this. How would you summarize... Uh, what went down last year as we think about this season? Well, I mean, I think most people, and uh, I coach even brought this up in media day, uh, pitching did not end up being what we thought it would be. And I looked it up in the media guide just just to see just where all the stats landed. And in uh, the following categories, Tulane was dead last. Earned run average. Now, this is conference stats, not national, but conference uh, stats did last in earned run average, opposing batting average, strikeouts. Um, we were next to last in save, uh, last in hits, and earned runs allowed, we were last. So when you finish with that kind of statistic, it's hard to really win a lot of games. And I think that's where we lost it. Now, we had some other issues, don't get me wrong. Some timely hitting, uh, Kobe, Owen being, Kobe Owen being injured kind of hurt us a little bit. Uh, some other factors here and there. Chase Haleski went down. So there were some other factors involved. But uh, really, the pitching is what hurt us more than anything. So, you know, I, I completely agree with that assessment. And I know, like you said, there are some other things we can point to as, as opportunities but at the end of the day, you know, with the the challenges in pitching, you just you watch so many games that that even if and this is what Daniel Latham, who we're going to talk about in a second, was saying, he doesn't expect this to be a top fifty staff this year. But if they can be better than average, which he thinks that they can be, it's a huge turning point. So I'll just ask you straight up, Dave. You know, one of the big storylines that I think a lot of Green Wave fans are excited about is the return of former Greeny star Daniel Latham as pitching coach. How much of a factor do you anticipate him being from from what you've seen watching uh, spring ball? Well, I think it's going to be a huge factor. Uh, there's two factors. First off, he seems to be communicating with the, the pitchers and just having a relationship with them. And we can get in later about how the relationship is with the team and all the other coaches. But Daniel seems to really be able to communicate and, you know, quite frankly, at times get on them what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. But uh, I, I think not only with pitchers, but he'll also be able to help the hitters uh, maybe kind of think about what is the pitcher thinking in this situation so as a hitter 
what am I going to be thinking? And it kind of gets into that whole mind game of uh, what to be expecting in any given situation. So I'm really hopeful that Daniel, uh, his work ethic that he has, which is unbelievable, and uh, his communication with his pitchers, I think that's, I think that was a little missed last year. I think there were some maybe missed opportunities with how the players and pitching coach related or communicated. Uh, sometimes you can say something and if somebody doesn't get what you're saying, it, it just doesn't work. And I really see an improvement. And again, it's just fall ball and early spring, but I really see some improvement there. So, you know, looking at Latham, one of the cool things, you mentioned how, you know, he, he's really pushing the team on the details. The communication has improved. You know, another thing that's been cool to see is how, you know, he's excited about being back with this Green Wave program. Uh, Gary Smith had a cool piece on Latham and the pitching staff and the advocate this week. Uh, tweeted today, strongly recommend that uh, folks check it out. Latham seemed really happy to be back. He said, you know, we're so history rich in baseball Knowing what's here and what the school's about and the program's about, it was a no-brainer for me to come back to Tulane. So, so Dave, question for you. You know, obviously you've you've seen him a lot from uh, from being out of practice. Uh, what's his energy like? Not just in terms of how he is as a pitching coach, but but how he's interacting with the the rest of the staff and the rest of the team. Well, I mean, he's just so detailed. I kind of mentioned it a minute ago. I mean, he has his clipboard with him and he's constantly making notes and what happened in every inning and every at bat, every pitch. The one thing that we've had this year that we've never had before was we've had a radar gun. And I know a lot of people overemphasize speed on radar guns. And there's so much more to being a pitcher than just hitting 93, 94. There's a lot of technique involved as far as rotation and location of the pitch and all that kind of thing. But it's really been neat to see these guys hit 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, uh, where maybe last year they were 88, 89, 90. And that little bit of difference can make, uh, you know, it can be a, can make a difference, I should say. Um, and this is the stuff that Daniel, he'll just stop a pitcher. If he sees something wrong, he'll say, stop. He'll point out what he either he is either liking or not liking and uh you just see the attention to detail that just is you see why they were so successful at southeast eastern where he is from and you know you talked about the tradition from the late 80 late 90s to the early 2000s it was just a phenomenal time to be a Tulane fan and daniel was a key part of that in the early 2000s it's it's great to have him back. I'm really excited, you know, based on on what you're telling us and, and what we've heard. Uh, I'm not giving anything away yet for anyone. You know, we're recording this on Monday night. On Wednesday, I, I believe the staff is going to officially release the weekend rotation. Uh, Latham said in Gary's piece that he expects that the weekend rotation will be Caleb Roper, uh, Kagan Gillis, and and Chase Seleski. Uh, so, Dave, does that does that sound about right to you in terms of who we're going to see starting at the beginning of this year? Yeah, and it was really cool. If you watched the, the media day with uh, Coach, he was uh, – Coach Dewitt I'm talking about now, not Coach Latham. Uh, he really was trying not to give anything away. He he was saying – talking about pitchers in general, and he mentioned Roper and Gillis in the first breath. And then a, a few minutes later, uh, when they were talking about injuries to Kobe Owen and uh, Chase Zaleski and how they're both getting healthy – Chase is more 100% than Kobe may be right now. 
He said, yeah, if you're talking about the starting three, if you wanted to say um, Roper, Gillies, and Seleski, you probably would uh, not be wrong. But he's really trying hard this year not to give a whole lot of free scouting reports to people who may just want to get a free one over the Internet, like things happen happens these days. Um, so once he got through those three, he really didn't talk a whole lot about the rest of the pitching staff. So it's really going to be interesting to see where we go after the top three. Dave, looking at Seleski's game, you know, he had an outstanding freshman campaign. He was injured last year. Uh, how has he looked so far from what you've seen? Well, he's popping the ball. He's definitely 92, 93, 94. And again, thanks so much for having that radar gun. And by the way, for Tulane fans, that is going to be part of the new scoreboard this year is that will be uh, active for every game. So you can see how people are throwing. And so far, I don't see any difference between Chase other than he's a little bigger and stronger than from his freshman year. Now, again, he's got to get out there and throw strikes. Look, that's what we talked about the difference last year. Guys not being able to throw strikes when they needed to. But he's looked every bit as good as he was his freshman year. Something you mentioned at the top of the show is that the the bullpen was a huge challenge last year, especially from a a depth perspective. Uh, Tulane was last in saves last season. And I think we we really felt that his fans, you know, of a lot of games that were winnable, uh, slipping away at the end. So one thing, as you mentioned, that has not been discussed a whole lot yet is the status of the bullpen. So uh, you don't have to get into a ton of specifics, but just high level thinking here. Uh, you know, how's the development been? Does it seem like Latham is finding some arms who he has a lot of confidence in? Well, one of the things Coach Stewart said was um, he thinks he has four or five really quality starters, but yet he still needs to find which five are going to be the next five, so to speak. And I think that's where uh, all of us are kind of wondering. Um, you know, next in line, you're talking about Pellerin, uh, Salucci, uh, Justin Campbell. All these guys, uh, I don't know if you saw both Baseball America and uh, uh, D1 Baseball released their top three. Well, D1 Baseball released their top 350 draft picks, and Salucci was in there along with Roper. So you would think he's in the mix of things. Uh, And D1 Baseball also named the top 50 2019 prospects. And you had Salucci, Roper, Celeste and Trent Johnson all in there. So again, um, I haven't seen Trent pitched this much this uh, fall, but you got to figure him, Ryan Green, Josh Bates. Josh Bates started a lot last year, so is he the fourth starter? Is he not? Again, Coach was being very coy about where he wanted to go after those top three people. And I don't know if that's just because he hasn't made a final decision or he's just trying to save something for this coming week against, uh, you know, we start, we have eight games in 11 days. We go three with George Washington, two with Lamar, and then three with Old Miss. So the only days off were is Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. So it's, you're going to have a need to have a lot of pitching. So looking at the bats now, you know, the other guy who was in that, that top 300 draft prospects you mentioned was, was Cody Hosey. Uh, there are a number of guys who are coming back from last year. Uh, what have you seen from, from the wave when they're at the plate and, and what should the wave fans be, uh, be excited about this year? Well, look, your whole starting infield, it's a combination of defensive and offensive answer here. 
you know, you got to start off with Hosey. He's going to be your best draft pick, my personal opinion. Uh, he was drafted last year by um, Kansas City and um, almost uh, decided, I'm sorry, the Chiefs, I believe, is who he's. Uh, yeah, the Chiefs, he was um, drafted. And he was drafted in the 35th round and almost kind of went. There was some back and forth, and he, he decided to come back for his year, and he's still a junior, so he could be drafted again this year. He's just absolutely getting to be that where he's built into his body, he's filled into his body, and he had a home run the other day that just – there was just no doubt the minute it left the bat. So I think he's going to be one of your big, big offensive guys. I think Jensen, of course, Jensen led it pretty much uh he's your returning leader he batted 306 last year and uh jonathan artigues batted 303 last year so basically your infield three of your four infielders are your returning hitters and so that bodes well and if we can get kobe healthy uh i don't know how where he's going to stand as far as beginning of the year his arm is still recovering from surgery but his bat and his defensive skills are incredible Grant Matthews is probably, again, some of this, you know, coach was being real coy with. Grant Matthews is definitely going to be playing. He's a left-handed bat. Uh, you got to get him in there. So he could be one of the big offensive uh, things. And then A.C. Owen, you know, he – excuse me here for a second. <clears throat> A.C. Owen had to um, basically catch every single game, and coach made a point of that. And that definitely – I would think had to take a toll on him. And uh, we have a freshman catcher, McKeithen. And if he can get, if he can spell AC from time to time, I think he might see some more offensive numbers from AC. So we can have some really good potential out there. Um, it's just a matter of who all makes that jump from where we were last year to this year. They should all improve just a little bit more. And hopefully that's where we stand with all that. If we can get Gaza to improve a little bit on his average, um, you know, we should have a solid lineup. And, oh, sorry, David Bedgood, who will probably be the DH. He hit the ball really well in both uh, fall and spring. So look for him to be, again, I'm all guessing on this, but probably the DH for the year. Dave, I'm sensing there's a, a lot of confidence from what you've been seeing in the hitting, which is, you know, it's awesome. I, I think that, that, you know, if that's an area where we see more progress this year, that can be a real difference maker. Uh, what's the biggest question? I, I know it's, it's probably going to be pitching, but, but what is the biggest single question mark for you? If you're looking at the difference between two lane finishing and maybe the middle of the AC and making a run at regionals. Well, of course, you know, the, the, the infamous, timely stuff to always tell people there's some luck involved in any of this. Uh, but the timely hitting, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times you, you get guys on base and either you run yourself out of it or you hit into a double play or something like that. So if we can get some timely hitting and as everybody, I, I don't want to beat the dead horse, um, the relief pitching and not walking uh, just, uh, you know, the other one stat with the, the pitching last year that everybody kind of quotes is the fact that we were 200, and I believe it was 261st out of 285 teams in base on balls per nine innings. That's just an incredible stat. I mean, you're just giving free runs away when that happens. So if we can keep the uh, free runs away, then I think even if you cut that in half, 
then all of a sudden now you're winning another 10 or 12 games with that, um, over last year. So before I get to my last question, just one, one uh, you know, you mentioned that we're going to be seeing the velocity now on the scoreboard, which is great. Uh, last season, I believe, was the first one where we had the angry wave in the outfield. Are there any other changes at Turchin that fans should look out for this year from what you've seen? Oh, I just think it was all um, cosmetic type stuff, you know, fresh paint, that kind of thing. Um, the the bleacher configurations, that's all the same. Uh, everything else, nothing significant there, uh, at least that I've been told of or I have noticed. They uh, just kind of dressed everything up, made it look a little bit nicer. They're trying to make it a, a nicer fan experience. They made a um, nice big poster board to put outside of the stadium to uh, so as people drive by the stadium, they can see all the scheduled uh, home games this year. We're going to have 36 home games. almost failed to um, mention that. 36 home games is a lot of home games. And our schedule probably isn't as hard as last year. So if you combine 36 home games with the fact that maybe it's not quite as hard. Now, Old Miss will be extremely difficult. They're another top 10, top 20 team this year. And uh, UConn tail end of the year has probably the best uh, probably the best conference pitcher um that we will face so we've got some nice people to come but uh it may be not as strong as it was last year and the fact that we're not going to play lsu twice this year you know that's kind of another big story we're we're going to play them once next year in the wally Pontiff classic but you know that kind of hurts the rpi a little bit not playing lsu twice <laughs> well, yeah, especially when you had such a dependable top 20 win, but I guess we'll look forward to the Wally Pontiff Classic. When's the, is the first time that game happens, is that next year, or when does that actually kick off? Yeah, that'll be next, not this coming year in 2019, but in 2020. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm going to avoid getting up in my soapbox, but for anyone who uh, did not hear the podcast we did with Athletic Director Troy Dannon during the summer at AAC Media Days, uh, he talks very openly and candidly about how he sees the breakdown of the LSU series. And, and if anyone's interested why that game, which is historic and, and I thought was a lot of fun, is going away, um, that's great insight. But I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Dave, you were saying next year is going to be the first time we actually see Tulane in the field, right? Wait, that next year will be the first time we play in the Wally Pontiff Classic. They've been doing this for quite a few years now, but... Uh, they've been usually playing Southeastern or some other local uh, state school. And uh, that was their way of, you know, uh, they're saying we want to play the local people, but we want to play them on our terms and that kind of thing. And LSU, uh, I don't know who they play this year, but again, next year we've committed it, committed to it for a year. And then from that point on, um, Coach Dewitt said it's kind of out of his hands and uh, that's all he can really say about it is that they're committed to playing next year. And after that, I think it's up to, you know, athletic directors and everybody else. Well, Dave, it's, it's always great having you back on to get your take. You have a ton of perspective on the program. I want to close with the dreaded prediction question, but, you know, I want to hear where, where your head is on this one. Uh, I will set the stage, though, because uh, Coach Jewett has really not shied away in his preseason comments from setting the bar where I think Tulane fans wanted to be. Uh, at the uh, Tulane Media Day, he said, it's a postseason deal for me. That's where it is. 
Uh, he continued, there's no doubt. I walk out to the field every day and you ask the players, you can ask the coaches, we're good enough. We're good enough, you know, and the kids need to believe it. So my question for you, Dave, as a closing comment is where do you think the bar is for this team based on what you've seen? Well, you know, the key thing is staying healthy. Everybody says that. That's always the big the catch-all. But if you look at catcher, we're solid. First base, we're solid. Second, short. Third, we're solid. We definitely have three solid outfielders that can play. They can hit. So if you look at all of that and you're just questioning where you are with some of your middle relief or weekend or, I'm sorry, weekday pitchers, I think you definitely say postseason. And the coach himself said, I'm not going to even cap where the postseason. So he's not saying just regional. He says he wants to go beyond that. So we all hope that's where it is. But, uh, you know, UConn's going to be a tough team this year. Houston's always playing tough. So, you know, the Americans are a very tough conference. So we're definitely going to have to uh, put our heads down, get those lucky games that maybe sometimes you don't get, you know, those one-run games that just you somehow squeak out or another, and play with the confidence you you need to play with to get those games. So if we do that, I definitely think, you know, and I said this last year, maybe I jinxed this, but uh, I definitely think we have the talent to get us to a regional. So as long as everybody executes and plays the way they should, um, I think we'll be there. But again, we've got to play the games, right? You're right about that. And Dave, it is always great to have you back on the show. I uh, look forward to having you, hopefully, for doing a, a regional preview in the future. But uh, I'll, I'll hold off on making those predictions yet. But for everyone at home, uh, Dave, you post great stuff on Twitter, especially from uh, your photography work you do at Tulane Games. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm at Scrooge Daddy. Uh, just a little thing that my daughter and I had. That's how I came up with the Twitter name. It's Scrooge and Daddy, all in one thing. So catch me there. Uh, I try not to make too many comments from time to time, other than maybe some jokes here and there. But, uh, you know, I love photography. Uh, Tulane allows me to get into all the events. So not only baseball, but you'll see quite a few football and even got into some volleyball and basketball this year. And uh, maybe get some more beach volleyball and swimming and even sailing. Our sailing team's going to be really good this year. So uh, try to keep up on all sports, and uh, it's just a great time. Yeah, and, and honestly, from Tulane fans, Dave, thank you for the work you do. I, I see that when you're posting you know, volleyball picks and stuff, and I'm like, man, I feel like we, we have three guys working on Fear the Wave, and we can't keep up with everything. So uh, very impressed that, that you keep things rolling. But thank you very much for coming on the show again, and we look forward to having you back in the future, Dave. Oh, thanks for having me on. I'll be on any time. You know, I, I just love talking two-lane sports. So thanks for having me on. All right, everyone, that is going to be our show for today. Uh, Stanger, my friends, and come out to the ballpark this weekend. Let's have a good one, and we'll have some more bonus episodes coming down the pipeline. See ya.